0: How long does it take between when someone follows Christ and when they're called into vocational ministry? We're going to talk about that and what comes after that. This is The Engaging Missions Show, Episode 211 with Ernie Peacock. Welcome to The Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for joining us, and welcome back to the Engaging Missions show. We provide ways for you to hear a message, make connections, and take action. This week, we're going to be talking about God's redemption and calling, church planting, and crossing cultural barriers, to name just a few things. I'm going to have an audiobook recommendation for you, brought to you by missionalaudio.com. I've got some listener feedback from Stitcher, and I do want to remind you that I am in the middle of a fundraiser for Global Initiative. If you'd like more information about what they are doing to equip Christians to reach Muslims for the gospel, or for Christ rather, you can find out more information about that at engagingmissions.com slash fund16. Now, as we head into our time with Ernie Peacock, I'd like to to just mention that I really loved one of the things he shared about engaging the millennial generation, but also realizing that it's critical to reach out to those who maybe don't fit the mold for upwardly mobile people, those who are poor, those who might be marginalized. And I loved his perspective on being able to reach as many people as possible and doing that through the church. I think this is a great conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy this. All right, today we have with us Ernie Peacock, and I got to tell you, I am excited for this conversation. I really believe that God has something special for us today. This has been something that we've been working on for a while, and I'm really excited to bring it to you. So, Ernie, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Brian. It's great to be here
0: with you. Well, thank you. So, as we get started, you know, one of the things a lot of times I like to try and do is kind of give a summary before we start talking about details, you know, who you are and some of the things that you've done. But today, I'd like to start in a little bit of a different way. I'd like to start off with your call to missions. Can you share with us how it was that God called you into ministry and how that fit into your life? Certainly,
1: Brian. You know, I I was about 23 years old when the Lord called me. But leading up to that, I was always a pretty adventurous person, just without a knowledge of—well, I I had a knowledge of who Jesus was. I just really wasn't serving Christ in my life. And as a result, I made a lot of of very poor decisions as a a young person, which led— you know, into drugs and drug addiction and and those things. And, you know, by God's grace, right before my 23rd birthday back in 1981, a young man led me or invited me to a church. And as a result of that, I I gave my life to Christ and experienced life transforming power of the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit and just completely set free from the addictions that I was struggling with in my life. And it just immediately, I mean, literally, I had a Second Corinthians 517 experience that night at the altar and old things were passed away and all things became new. And I just, the Lord put a desire in my heart to share the word. And and as a result, and because of another young man who was the youth pastor, who was really a great mentor who had a great influence upon my life because of, of of those those factors, I had an opportunity a couple of months into my walk to take a missions trip mm. with my youth pastor. And so on this on this missions trip, basically it was just him and myself driving an old beat up car down to southern Mexico. Along that trip should have only taken us about twenty four hours <laughs> in total drive, right? Yeah, and but it took us six days to get there. But you know the the scripture Psalms thirty seven twenty three says the steps of the godly are ordered by the Lord. And I like the NLT translation that goes on to say and He delights in the details of their lives. And certainly there were many details that transpired during those six days on that trip from the southern border of Texas all the way down to the southern coast of Mexico. And it was about the sixth, it was actually the sixth night we were broken down on the side of the the some some highway in the mountains of Mexico. And leading up to that, the Lord had revealed himself in many ways. So as a young believer, you know, two just two months and a week or so mm-hmm. in the faith, the Lord just revealed himself in so many miraculous ways. And so you know, there was there was a, a real sense of of the voice of the Lord and and of the Holy Spirit and what he was doing. And these visible demonstrations that we witnessed during that time, and I remember very vividly we were on the side of the road, sitting around a campfire, and just kind of meditating and and rehashing some of those things that had gone gone on that week and the The Holy Spirit spoke to me just very clearly i didn't hear an audible voice, but I certainly knew the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I, what I heard was, I want you to preach preach my word. I want you wow. to preach the gospel. And I took that as a literal call to to a preaching ministry. Yeah. And that was kind of the nugget. That was the beginning of, as a matter of fact, I looked across the campfire and I s- spoke to my, my youth pastor. His name is Scott. And I said, Scott, I said, God just spoke to me. He said, really, what did he say? And I said, he told me to preach the gospel. And it was kind of, that was the beginning of God's calling in my life.
0: So, so let's zoom into that one conversation. You're sitting there by the campfire. You're two, maybe on the outside, two and a half months out of a life that's completely contrary to God, completely contrary oh. to Scripture. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit speaks to you and begins to call you into ministry. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? When, when that moment happened? Yeah, you know it was
1: overwhelming it was overwhelming in a sense that I kind of like Paul the apostle, felt that I was the chiefest of sinners i mean it was yeah like how could mm. God call me how could he use me in my limited knowledge and my limited experience in in the faith and then I guess the other question was why, why would he want? To do that,
0: so it was it was pretty overwhelming. Yeah, I, but I would, yet there was an excitement as well. So let's talk about that excitement because I would imagine as you've as you've walked this for a couple of years now, you've probably had to look back to that time for you know every once in a while to go, okay, God re- really did call me. So how did that excitement work itself out in your life?
1: Well, I can literally in my mind and in my heart go back to that moment as if it was today literally it's mm. it is a it is like a movie that that plays in my mind and in my heart that that keeps the call of god fresh and of course you know we at that point in time we still had another 6 or 7 days ahead of us mm. to fulfill the the mission that we were you know that we that we were out to to do to get down to southern Mexico and and tell the people about Jesus. Of course, that entire trip we were telling people about Jesus wherever wherever we stop or broke down. But so so you know, it was like it was deposited in my heart, and then I guess during the course of that week, it began to I, I, it began to grow, it began to take form beyond just the call to ministry, which I knew was going to be, require some studies and, you know, for preparation. But that week was an amazing week where the Lord, I guess, brought confirmation to the call on my life and used me in ways that, that I could have never imagined. And I knew that it wasn't me. I knew that 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 was the Lord. It was the Holy
0: Spirit and that God was working out his purpose in my life. So you mentioned preparation. I, I would imagine that there was maybe some schooling involved. Is that accurate? Yes. You know, we, as soon as I got back, we got
1: back to the border. I approached my pastor and just kind of mentioned to him what had transpired, and that God was calling me into ministry. Well, I was 23 years old. Mm. I, you know, I, Brian, I just I barely graduated from high school, oh. and literally, wow, and. So I, in, it wasn't that I wasn't an intelligent person in terms of the book studies. It just it wasn't my motivation. My mo- I had other motives, other motivations in my life, and it wasn't to go to college. I was making a whole lot of money in other other ways. <laughs> Let me just put it that yeah. way and not good ways. And so, you know, being 23 years old, I'm thinking, you know, college is for... 18-year-olds or 19-year-olds. Mm. And so as I approached my pastor, I, I inquired, I said, look, God's called call me. What, what do I need to do? Yeah, And I know I need to prepare myself, go to Bible school. And so he also was a bivocational pastor. So okay. he himself had studied through a correspondence type of or distance learning okay. education. And so that's what I did. He, he pointed me in that direction. And that was the path that I chose initially. I went on to seminary later on okay. in life and, and, you know, have a master's degree in theology, but that, which was something I wanted to do, it was certainly a desire, but that didn't
0: come until way later. So as you look back over the years, how important would you say that preparation was for you in, in the way God's had you walk out your faith? You know, it's,
1: it's really key. One, because, you know, it, it develops a discipline in your life. And secondly, it also gives you a foundation from which to base your, mm. your call upon. Yeah. And. You know, you can't give out what you don't have. And, you know, the Lord will use anything. I mean, he used my, my very, very broken Spanish in, in on that missions trip and my very limited knowledge of the word. So, you know, the Lord, as he looked to Moses, he said, what's in your hand? So the Lord only needs a vessel and he only needs us to surrender ourselves to him in order for him you know to glorify himself through us but the education the preparation the ministerial preparation was was key i believe in just giving me a solid foundation from which to 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 minister from
0: okay yeah so so now we're talking about this we're about 30 or so years after that initial call where you were in mexico in at mm-hmm. that fire you were talking to scott you you've Planted, I want to say 15 or I'm sorry, 12 churches over the last few years across a, a couple of different countries, for sure. As you look over what God's done in the last, I don't know, five or 10 years, what is it that has surprised and excited you the most? I guess really the freshness
1: of the Holy spirit. Oh, you know, God's spirit is, is a creative spirit. And over the last five years, of course we, we left Mexico and, work throughout Latin America and the last few years we served in Spain which there's a, a commonality in in, in m- most part in the language yeah. but the cultures are completely different and you know i guess working in a latin american country you you develop a tool chest a, you know a way of working a certain mentality perhaps but working in Europe was completely different. It was a completely different paradigm, a completely different culture. And so, again, just that total reliance upon the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit keeping, keeping just the love of God and the desire to evangelize, keeping it fresh in my life through my relationship with Christ, but yet equipping me. In a, I guess in a different way, to be able to minister in that context to, to those people in, in Spain.
0: That's really interesting. You know, as I think about God and about the gospel, I, w- I would submit that, it's, that God is always the same. But at the same time, he presents himself differently in different cultures. How, how have you had to, or how did you have to adjust, and how did you find that you were able to, to make the gospel relevant in a completely different culture as you began that transition?
1: Well, you know Paul said, "I became all things to all men, yeah, that I might be able to win some, and I, I I believe what he's presenting to us is a very missional mentality, a missional approach, and that is just you know just as Jesus he came as a cross-cultural missionary you know he spanned time and culture yeah. to be to become one of us to be become god in the flesh he left his place of origin and he became incarnate just so that he can identify with humanity so that you and i would have the opportunity to see and to hear his unfolding story and so i believe just Christ as that example, willing to to leave behind what he had and to incarnate a new culture, a new place, perhaps a new language, in order to identify with those whom he was called to reach, and and that's a part of it. Learning to identify and to adapt, and uh, you know that you're you're right. The gospel the, it never changes. Paul said, "For the preaching of the cross is to them who perish." foolishness. He said, but to us who are saved, Mm. it's the power of God and the salvation. And so the, I guess the challenge for, for the 21st century church is not to change the message, but to, but to present it in such a way that it becomes relevant to that and interesting to
0: that culture. Mm.
1: And so that's, that's what we, what we were able to do.
0: So, so as you were in Spain, you were beginning to you're working on making it relevant to to that culture and enticing. That's probably not the right word, but engaging to that that culture. What Correct. did that look like for you?
1: Well, there there were similarities to what we were doing, you know, in 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 Latin America, mm. but yet there were still some distinct differences. Yeah, there is a. a a cultural paradigm shift taking place throughout Europe because of the migration oh, okay. that's occurring and you know first it begins with just living it out, out daily in your daily life i mean you you have to do that wherever you are secondly it's just being willing to engage people where they are finding that common ground now as an uh, as an american in 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 especially in Spain, we lived in a predominantly Spanish city. okay There were people from different lands, uh, but th- no Americans. We were as far as I know, other than just passing through as visitors, we were the only Americans actually living in the city. Wow. I never met any other Americans that were residing there, okay, so it was just uh, using that to our advantage, the English everybody wants to learn learn english but using the english to our advantage to be able to i guess interest the people in 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 who we were as uh, as people and then developing those those relationships those friendships allowing especially in spain the spanish people are have walls around them. Hmm. They are very separated from other cultures. They're very, they're, they're, they're very in, in the box type of people. And so to be, in order to, to engage them, you first must be able to get beyond that wall to bridge that gap. And so in versus in Latin America, it's so easy to walk up to someone and engage them immediately, strike up a conversation, and begin to speak to them about the gospel. it It is just so easy. Wow. But in, in Spain, it wasn't like that. First, you had to develop those relationships, get that wall down, and then be able to communicate with them. You know, We did a lot of outdoor mm. ministry and outdoor preaching and things like that. But that's kind of a new thing that's going on in Spain. And just for your listeners, I would recommend them to, matter of fact, maybe I could recommend you to speak to a guy that's doing a phenomenal job in Madrid. It's on the Red Box.
0: Yeah. Uh, His name
1: is Jacob Bach. I know him. Phenomenal ministry.
0: I grew up in the church that
1: he was at. Oh, great. Yeah, great. great guy. And so he, he's taken it to a whole new level. And so we had the privilege of, of working with him in Madrid a little bit during our time there. But yeah, oh. so that, that's what I'd say. It's, there are some similarities, but there are also some great differences. And it's just learning, learning how to use, look for things that you can use to your advantage to be able to engage your, your audience.
0: Wow, that that's incredible! I, I had no idea there was going to be a connection there, but that that's really exciting to me. Just because yeah, that is awesome. I, I love what he's doing, and I love hearing that you were connected with him as well. Now, I, I know that you have a, a lot of transition going, that you've been preparing for some stuff that's coming up, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in a minute. But I'm wondering, as you've been going through this preparation for the next season in your life, what has God been teaching or showing you in the last few months?
1: Well. I there there are many things one one of them that stands out to me Brian I believe that we're living in a time of acceleration mm. you know Jesus talks in John 4 about about the the one who sows and the the one who harvest they both receive a reward and the harvester was called at a certain just if you read through the story, in matter of fact, he spoke to the disciples. He says, don't say there are are, are four months and then the harvest is right. coming. So what he was discussing is the seed had just been sown there. The seed had been planted, but he was calling... Of course, if you read the story, he talks about the harvester who would come in four months and reap the harvest. But yet, yet the the sower and the and the reaper would both receive a just reward. Mm. But he was telling his disciples, "Don't say there four months. Quit making excuses. Don't try to understand this in the in the natural wow. realm." He says, "I'm telling you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields." and i believe that he was one saying quit making excuses don't try to understand the harvest in spiritual in 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 natural terms and and also be willing to take a risk seize the opportunity he says i tell you open your eyes and look at the fields they're ripe under the harvest so he was telling them now is the time so in my in my spirit, I'm sensing that God is, is, is telling us that we don't need to wait. As a matter of fact, you know, I'm thankful that I didn't wait three or four years until I got my education before I started into ministry. Mm. It literally went hand in hand. And so we can't wait four years. We can't wait four months. There are people that are perishing now who need to hear the gospel. And so I believe we're living in a, in a, in a time of acceleration where things are, where people that God is raising them up supernaturally. We're seeing an acceleration in their spiritual growth. We're seeing an acceleration in the, in the manifestation of the spiritual gifts of God's presence of his power. And all of this is leading us to one end, and that is the harvest.
0: Wow. So you have us. We're listening to you right now. Some of us are in the marketplace and care about missions and church planting. Some of us are vocational ministers. Some of us are bivocational. What would you challenge or encourage us with based on what you just shared? You know, open your eyes.
1: Open your eyes. Those are opportunities. I believe that there are God, because we are living in in, in accelerated times, I believe that these opportunities that sometimes we used to wait years for. I believe that God is is accelerating the, the, the time frame, the cycle of that. And maybe there are people that you've been praying for for a week, a month, or a year, maybe 10 years. Well, open your eyes. God's about to open doors of opportunity for us to be able to speak to those people, regardless of the medium, mm. whether you're at, on your job site, whether you're on your way home. Of course, in Europe, everybody takes the train and or the subway. And so there are so many opportunities all around us all the time to be a
0: witness, to be the salt and the light that God's called us to be. Wow. So, So let's talk about that door, that transition that's coming for you. You've been in ministry now for over 30 years, but God's, God's got you heading into something. Can you share with us what's up coming for you?
1: Yes, Brian. We are about to—we're returning to Guadalajara, Mexico. We, hmm. we served in Guadalajara for 15 years, but we left in 2004 serving in other areas of the world— And so the Lord is really directing us to go back to Guadalajara, which is in Southern Mexico, the second largest city in that country, to plant an international church. Hmm. So the, in January of 2018, just a few months from now, my wife and I will return to Guadalajara and begin to lay the, the framework to plant, to launch ICGDL or IC Guadalajara.
0: So so, what does an international church in Mexico look like?
1: Well, you know, I can, just to use as a reference point, yeah. our last six months in Spain, we had the privilege of pastoring the International Church of Madrid. Madrid, in many ways, is very similar. There, there are a lot of similarities between Madrid and the city of Guadalajara. One, they're very colonial, two, very Touristy, a lot of great things to do. The food is better in Guadalajara than it is in Madrid, but a large international population, probably a more diverse population because of in Madrid, because of its proximity to Africa. Okay. But in IC at IC Madrid, we had over forty five nations represented in the church that we were that we worship together on Sunday morning. And of course, midweek we had other, you know, services in Chinese, services in Spanish, and, and a couple of other languages. But so, what does an I see an international church look like in Mexico? Mm-hmm. There, again, it will. It, there are similarities, but there are also some differences. La, uh, Mexico, especially Guadalajara, being the international city that it is, you have a large because it, it's known as the Silicon Valley of Mexico. There's a lot of tech industry there. So you have a lot of people from literally from all over Asia, as well as the United States that have their families there. They're working there, along with international students that have come from all over the world to study at their major universities. And then you have, and this is probably where it's going to look a little bit different Is that you have 58% of the Mexican population, Mexico's population are millennials and Gen Xers. Wow. And so you have a large percentage a large population a large demographic that are educated they work in the global marketplace they speak very most of them speak very good english they send their children to english speaking schools and so you have a large segment of the mexican population mm-hmm. that have a very international mindset wow and so we're hoping to get we're hoping to reach the best of both worlds we're hoping to reach the internationals the international business community as well along with the Gen X the Gen X and millennials that are made up of the mexican population so we we want to have a good balance
0: between between the both of those different demographics wow I love what I think that makes possible. And I'm wondering if you could share with us, like like maybe you were sharing with a key partner or a friend, some of the dreams that God has given you about this. And the thinking that I have is Scripture talks about a river that flows from the city of God. So as you think about this church and what you believe God would have you do, what kinds of things do you expect to see flowing out of this congregation?
1: Well, one of the things the Lord's impressed upon us is, you know, our entire ministry, we've worked. Predominantly with the the poorest of the poor mm. and who are who are very needy. They're, they're very needy people and are are very usually quick to respond to the gospel. But the Lord has challenged us to reach this specific demographic, this unreached generation that the church is not reaching. Mm. I refer to them as the influencers. They are the, you know, they're the ones who are either currently in positions of leadership. They are the doctors, the lawyers, the engineers, the architects. You know, they're the maybe even in the politicians, but they're the business people. They're mm-hmm. the, the probably the more educated. So they're the influencers. Influence always flows from the from the top downward. And what we endeavor to do we, we We're not turning our backs on on the least of these. On the contrary, our, our goal, our desire, and I believe the vision that God's given us, is to reach the influencers in order to be able to utilize the gifts, the talents, the abilities that they have to have an even greater impact on the kingdom of God at every level of society, not just the lower level. You know, the, there's not one hell for, for the, app, the affluent and one hell for the people <laughs> who aren't affluent. There's one hell for everyone who doesn't know Jesus. And so what we want to do is reach this generation of influencers to have a greater impact upon the kingdom of God at every level
0: of society, Mexican society. Wow. I love that vision. I love thinking about what, what could come out of that. And I'm really thankful that God has given you that vision for what he's going to do. Now, as I think about this, I would assume that you and your wife are probably not going to do everything, that you're probably going to have a team. Now, are you, are you taking a team with you? Or are you planning to build a team when you're there? What's that look like? both. Okay. We are currently
1: uh, recruiting a team. We have uh, about 4 or 5 young people who have signed up to to join us, to be a part of our launch team. They're currently raising their own support and they'll probably uh, get there toward the fall the end of the end of 2018 versus mm-hmm. my wife and I will be there in early January. Okay. So so we are recruiting a team to to join us from the states as well as because of our years of ministry and the the many churches that we planted in in Guadalajara in the you know the nineties and, and through mid two thousand, we really have a network of, of of churches and and friends that that we left behind, mm. and we've been in been in contact with a lot of these kids that. Uh, came to know Christ through our ministry, well, they're grown now. They, they, they make up a part of this millennial generation. They're educated. Many of them are entrepreneurs and, you know, they speak English. And so they kind of, we've been creating a buzz. And so many of them have contacted us and they want to be a part. Of this launch, so initially we'll go back and begin to to build a team structure, a team ethos with those that are currently there, mm. and then incorporate the the Americans that will come and join us later later in the year. So yes, we're doing
0: a little bit of both. Cool. As I think about creating a team, I I would assume that there are probably some specific skill sets that you might be looking for. But I'm also wondering, as you're maybe screening is a bad word for it, but, you know, trying to consider who would be a good team member, are there particular character traits that you're looking for?
1: Yeah, obviously. And there is a screening process. Okay. We, anyone interested in serving with us, we send them through the Latin American, Latin America and Caribbean pipeline. And it's, it's set up. It's our leadership through the assemblies of God. And they, of course, you know, they, they process all that. So there, there mm-hmm. are, there are guidelines. There are requirements as well as personal references and things that serve as a filter. But but number one, obviously, is that they be born again. Yeah. They believe that they, they be a believer. And and two, uh, that they have a call to serve and, and a call to serve in missions. Mm-hmm. I think that's the second requirement. And the third, which really, I think, trumps the second, but is that <laughs> they know that they're called by God to be a part of this team. Yeah. Because, again, going back to my calling, I know that God's called me. That's my reference point. Regardless of what comes my way or it doesn't come quick enough, I can always go back to that and know that the Lord's called me. And provision always follows the the mission. God's provision will always follow his mission. And so we want people that know that the Lord is calling them to come and be a part of what, what he's calling us to do.
0: And and so I'm I'm thinking there there's a possibility that somebody who's listening to this right now, some God could be speaking to somebody. I don't know if that's the case, but it could be. If that's the case, are there any particular skill sets or things that you are looking for that you you're looking for to put on this team?
1: Oh, definitely. We're looking for we we would like to take a a full staff people who can help in the area of administration. People uh, who have media and technical production, you know, computer graphics, web sound mm. abilities, social media networking, people who are good people, people team to, <laughs> to help us to coordinate teams and and different events. You know, we want to continue while Santa and I were there. We we didn't just do church planning, but we were in, involved in a lot of construction as well as evangelism. We we worked with between four and five hundred people youth that came each summer and we just did evangelism saturation mm. throughout the city. And so we're looking for people who have maybe have some construction skills, somebody that I could, you know, re- kind of give oversight to and, and put in charge of different construction projects that might come our way. We want to continue to, to, to be a blessing to the National Church. We're, we're not just there to do our own thing. We're mm. We're a part of the National Church Network there. And so we want to continue to be a blessing to them through evangelism and construction and whatever other means we can, as the Lord enables. But we need people that can coordinate those things. We need worship, you know, musicians, mm. worship director. We we want to launch. Listen, Guadalajara, the University of Guadalajara, that one university has over two hundred and fifty thousand students. Wow! And they, and then there are a, about a dozen internationally recognized universities with with large university populations. No one is reaching these universities. We have no... As far as I know, any organized campus ministry going on at these universities. Wow. So we would like to start. We this is a this is one of our touch points. We want to have or develop a strong campus ministry. So someone that feels called to to that, maybe they're already engaged or involved in campus ministry and would like to come and help us to develop that children's ministry, youth, young adults, people who have accounting skills, English as a second language. We 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 want to use that. That to our advantage, to be able to you know to bring people into the church, and so many, many opportunities to serve on our team
0: if somebody 's listening to this right now and maybe they 're hearing from God and they 're very clear that this is the direction god 's calling them, maybe they 're not quite sure about it, but they want to learn more what 's the next step who should is there somebody they should read, reach out to what, what do they do
1: well, I would suggest if there's someone fitting that description, that they contact me personally. We can have a conversation and then I could direct them to the next step in the process if that's if that's what they feel the Lord calling them to. But first just have them have them they can contact me.
0: Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have some information in the show notes then. So you can either just tap on your podcast art and go to the show notes page and we'll have a way for you to contact Ernie or stop by the website. Because we, we definitely want, if that's where God's calling you, I don't want to do anything to step in the way of that. So I want to do everything that we can to connect you with, with Ernie. Now, Ernie, we, we obviously know that there's a lot going on as you're looking forward to this time as you're stepping back into Mexico. How can we best pray for you? Oh, that's a great question. And, you know, I, everything
1: begins and ends with prayer. And Mexico right now is still a hotbed for violence. Mm. Still one of the most violent countries in our world, definitely in our hemisphere. But so there's still a lot of violence going on. Guadalajara has historically been a safe haven. It's been a, a pretty safe city. Mm. No, not that there's no crime or no violence going on. I mean, there's plenty of that. But in terms of what we hear about on the news, there is kind of an upsurge, and uptick in the uh, narco violence. A lot of that is, is predominantly between rival, rival gangs, rival drug families, right? cartels. And people sometimes get caught up in the crossfire. So I would ask that you would certainly pray that the Lord would, would cover, one, the church, cover mm. the church. The, the church is, is many times our pastors, those in those communities where drugs are a problem, sometimes they become a target. And so pray for, for God's covering over, over the church as well as our team as we prepare to go and work in that environment. Pray, pray, for our team. Pray that God would give us the people that would fit some of the the needs that I mentioned earlier. We 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 can't do this alone. I, li- mm-hmm. Believe me, I've done it alone before. <laughs> I've, I've, I've planted churches where it was me, my wife, and my three kids, and it's a whole lot easier with the team. So pray the Lord would would connect us with the right people to be a part of our team. And those who are currently itinerating, those who are currently
0: raising their support to join us, that it would come in quickly. Wow, that's good stuff. And for those of you listening, I would like to encourage you to go ahead and pause this right now and just take a minute to pray for Ernie and what God is calling them to do in Mexico. You can certainly add it to your prayer list, but I know from my experience, a lot of times it's really easy to forget if I don't do it in the moment. So I'd encourage you to do that. If you feel like God is calling you in that direction, check out the show notes page. We'll have a way for you to contact Ernie. And, you know, if, if you just appreciate Ernie and what he's doing, you can certainly drop him a note and let him know that as well. I, I don't think that would be something that he wouldn't like to get. All of that's going to be at the show notes page, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Ernie Peacock. Now, Ernie, I just want to say thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. It's just incredible to hear what God's done in your life.
1: And Well, thank you, Brian, for the opportunity to just to share our heart, our vision, and our passion with your listeners.
0: I don't know about you, but I really loved what Ernie Peacock shared. I thought that he had some incredible insights, and I really appreciated his heart and his willingness to share some of the intricacies of what he does as we talked about, if you're interested in connecting with him, you'll definitely want to do that by visiting the show notes page. And also, I would love to hear from you about some of the things that maybe you took away from this particular interview. In a couple of minutes, I'm going to share with you an audiobook recommendation, but before I do that, I want to share with you a little bit of listener feedback. This actually came to me by way of Stitcher, which is one of the ways that some people listen to this podcast. And I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that this is some feedback that was left a couple of years ago. And I wasn't aware that it was out there because it's really hard sometimes to capture reviews that are left on some of the sites like Stitcher or iTunes. I'm now using a service called My Podcast Reviews to gather those in, that information and bring that to me. It's something that helps podcasters get information from all 150 or so of the iTunes stores when people leave reviews or ratings there. And then also it gets those from Stitcher. This came from someone who used the name Door to India. This was back in 2015. So apologies if you're listening, and I just haven't gotten to this for so long. This person says, I came across this podcast from a friend's ministry. I was hooked from day one. Then I got to share my story for his glory. Brian, I applaud you in answering the call to God. You're doing great work, and it's much needed to unify the body of Christ. Too often, missionaries and church leaders are misunderstood. When, after all, we are all on mission from God, making us missionaries. So if you're listening, thank you so much for leaving this. I don't actually know which guest this was that left it, but I appreciate the feedback, and I would love to hear from you. If you'd like to leave a rating or review in iTunes or on Stitcher, you can do that by visiting engagingmissions.com slash subscribe, and then visit one of those places and leave a rating and review. I would also love to hear from you. A couple weeks ago I shared some feedback that I had gotten where I solicited people for their feedback about the show and I had some questions about things that I might be able to do to make this show better. I would love to hear from you. There'll be there are going to be some links in the show notes. Either tap the podcast art and find those links in the show notes or If you're on the show notes page, just look in the resources section and you'll find those links so that you can give me some direct feedback if you'd rather not do it by leaving a rating and review. Either way, I would love to hear from you. I'd like to know what's going well and what I can do to improve because I would love to do this better for you. This week's recommendation for you, brought to you by missionalaudio.com, is an audiobook called There's a Sheep in My Bathtub, Birth of a Mongolian Church Planting Movement, This is a book by Brian Hogan. He's been on the show a couple of times. I've listened to the book, and I highly recommend it. I think this is an incredible book, a great read. And I'd also like to say that I was privileged to have a small part in the production of this audiobook. And Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio, who does the editing for this show, also did a good bit of the post-production for this particular audiobook. So not only is it a book where I love the content, but also I and one of my friends were involved in the production. That said, I'm not recommending it because we were involved. I'm recommending it because it's a great book, and I think it's a worthwhile read. I would like to recommend that you check that out. You can find it at audible.com. And if you've never gotten an audiobook from audible.com, use the link engagingmissions.com slash free book. When you sign up to try out their service, you can select this as your free book. And when you download it, you'll be able to listen to it absolutely for free. You can find it all linked up at missionalaudio.com. And if you know of an audiobook or a podcast that we should consider to be included at missionalaudio.com, I would love to hear about it. Visit missionalaudio.com. Click the link to suggest a book or an audiobook or a podcast, and we'll take a look at that and see if we can include it. I would love to make this an incredible resource for people who care about missional living, about missions, about evangelism, about church planting, so they can find stuff that they can listen to on the go wherever they are. I would love your input if you know of something we should include. Thanks so much for sticking with us all the way to the end. I'd like to just say one more time that I would love to see you connect with Ernie. Whether you're interested in being part of his ministry in Mexico, or you want to say thanks, or you just want to say, hey, I took a minute to pray for you, I'd like to encourage you to do that. You can visit the show notes page at engagingmissions.com slash Ernie Peacock. That's Ernie and then Peacock, just like the bird. There you're going to find a link that you can use to connect with him. You'll also find links to some of the resources that we talked about. And I, w- I would like to encourage you to do that. This week, we talked with Ernie Peacock about what he's had going on and then what's upcoming as he's planting a church in Mexico. I've also had for you an audiobook recommendation, and we talked about listener feedback. And believe me, I would love to hear from you if you have any feedback for me as well. Make sure that you come back next week. We're going to be hearing from Ramon Pastrano IV about some unusual work that he's doing that helps bridge cultural divides and takes the gospel into some places we might not normally have access to or might not even think of having access to, both at home and abroad. If you want to make sure that you don't miss that, the best way to do it is to subscribe using your favorite podcast app, at engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. There I've got links to subscribe using Apple Podcasts as well as Google Play Music or Android and then also Stitcher and some other places. And if you're looking to subscribe, that's probably the best place to do this. And also, if you enjoyed this or you know somebody who might benefit from it, I would like to ask you to just take a minute and help us spread the word. Maybe that one email to somebody who is needing encouragement or might benefit from this or sharing it on social media or perhaps leaving a rating and review. Any of those can help people who might benefit from this connect with the show and find the resources that they need to be equipped, inspired, and challenged. I would really appreciate it if you would take a minute to do that. And then one last thing, as I just close this down, you've stuck around to the very end, and I'm just going to ask you to do one other thing. I've started taking on some appointments or some interviews to be interviewed for other shows. Some of them are faith-based and some of them are not. And I would just like to ask you to pray for me that I would represent God and this show well as I share my story and connect with other podcasters across a variety of different topics. Many of them are faith-based, but not all of them. And I would just, I would really ask for your prayers as I do that. I would say thank you so much in advance. I don't want to be presumptuous, but I do want to say thank you for those of you that do take the time to do this. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming by and listening, and my hope and my prayer is that God would continue to expand you and your ministry as you trust on and lean on Him. Thanks for listening to The Engaging Missions Show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.